You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I don't know if you can hear that that motor running. But it's my neighbor, Chad, and he is plowing my driveway. Uh, Thank you very much, Chad, for plowing. Here in Iowa, we have a ton of snow that just got dropped. And the temperatures dropped and the snow got dropped. I think we're we're on pace to get eight inches today uh, if we haven't already gotten it. I haven't been outside yet today. But uh, snow in Iowa. And so as we sit here and we start to talk a little bit about the topic at hand today, which is postseason, you know, this this winter scouting, postseason scouting, and how important it is, realize that if you have snow on the ground, you know, you wait a week or so, and if the snow is still there, you can go out into the woods and know exactly where deer are moving. The more snow, the more you're going to be able to watch where they go, find out what their food sources are. It concentrates them, all the all, all good things. Now, if you get too much snow, and too, too cold a weather for too long a time, it might be uh, a detriment to the deer herd. But from a scouting standpoint, this is the time to get out there. Uh, and into this, this uh, early, early spring where we can go shed hunting and things like that. So use this weather we have to your advantage. Use no vegetation on the trees to the advantage. But today's guest... He's been on previously. His name is Josh Prophet, and Josh um, was telling a story about a buck on public land that he had been chasing for several years named Bones. If you haven't listened to that episode, I strongly suggest that you do. But the, the emphasis throughout the year of Josh's hunting strategy is scouting. 
and I mean hardcore, serious, data-gathering scouting. And he uses that to put himself into position, uh, the best possible position to, you know, not only locate with trail cameras, but to put himself in the best tree to kill one of these big mature bucks that, he, that he's uh, going after. And so that's what today's podcast is about. We talk about new properties. We talk about old properties. We talk about public land. We talk about hunter pressure. We talk about the, the meat and potatoes and the details of what to look for during scouting. And so uh, I, I, I know that it's going to benefit you if you not only listen to this, but then go out into the field and Im- implement it. So a really good episode today. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Uh, let's get right into the commercials. Vortex Optics, man. These guys have been a partner for a while now. Huge shout out to Vortex and the entire team there. Huge shout out to their product line. I mean, if you're looking for a binocular, a spotting scope, a rangefinder, a red dot, a rifle scope, this is the brand that you want to buy. And and for the pure fact that the people who work there are participants in shooting sports and hunting, and they know how to build high quality products in that category. On top of that, they have a VIP warranty. And uh, if you break it, bust it, you put it in a box, you send it to them, they fix it for free. And then they, uh, and then they go ahead and and, uh, send it back to you at no charge. Second, Brand new product coming out of their camp, and it's not an optic, but it's something to be used with an optic, and it's a really, really badass tripod. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity to use it quite yet because I got it after the hunting season was over, but I can see how this thing is going to be in my pack when I go to states like Nebraska and South Dakota, and I have to do some long, long distance uh, spotting scope glassing and, and some long distance glassing. This is definitely going to uh, be helping out. So vortexoptics.com, go check it out huntstand.com i mean it is the most popular hunting app for a reason and it it boils down to the amount of functionality that comes with this app it allows you to see uh, crop rotation it allows you to see uh, the best dates you know like a, a rut map it allows you to Uh, see a variety of different satellite imagery throughout different types of years Uh, and it also allows you from a from a satellite imagery standpoint it allows you to get the most up-to-date monthly satellite imagery so go check that out and read up on all the functionality i don't have time to tell you all the benefits of hunt stand but there are a ton huntstand.com go check them out wasp archery i'm just going to keep this intro very this, this commercial very simple Whether you like mechanical broadheads or whether you like fixed blade broadheads, wasp broadheads destroy whatever they hit. And even on the marginal shots, they destroy. Why? Because they're built from the best possible material and a majority of their heads are still manufactured in the USA. So huge benefits. I love their products. Wasparchery.com. 20% discount code with that brand. NFC20. 20% out. Stock up today. Go get your broadheads. Uh, Last but not least, if you're looking to become more educated or to become a saddle hunter in general, go check out Tethered. Tethered will definitely educate you. They have not only uh, uh, the foundation of their their, uh, 
their company is a really good product line full of climbing sticks, saddles, saddle hunting platforms, saddle hunting accessories. But then at this gigantic knowledge base behind the product with this community that they've gathered. So uh, go check out, uh, if you want to get mobile, go check out Tethered. And that's it, man. Uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into today's scouting to the post. I think it's called postseason scouting to the max episode with my man, Josh Prophet. Three, two, one. All right. Back on the podcast with me today. If you, if you didn't catch the first time we were on, I strongly suge- uh, suggest going back to listen to the story of Bones, a big old buck w- that he did not get to harvest, but he's out looking for new big bucks to hunt this upcoming year. Mr. Josh Prophet, welcome back, dude. What's up, man? How's it going? It's going good. All right, so before we started recording, you mentioned that you you finished barber school and now you've officially started working as a, a barber. What's that like? Man, it is, um, you know, I've worked for the man my whole life and coming into, you know, to this career and this industry, um, it's just like, I don't even know how to explain it. I can't even really put it into words. I have my independent contractor's license. So basically I come and go as I want. I work off a schedule. Um, if I want off, I just block it off and take off. Uh, I really don't think I could have made a better move as far as uh, being able to see my kids and hunt more. Yeah, and that's nuts, dude. Like every guy I know that is serious or wants to get serious, they're making life moves to try to put themselves in the best position to do not only do this as much as they can, but do it as much as they can with their family. And so it, and whether that's hunting or spending just more time with the family. And uh, I just like, for me, I, I cannot even imagine going back into any type of cubicle or factory or anything. I, I like my mind just would shut off and I'd black out. <laughs> My anxiety talking about it is yeah. shooting up through the clouds. Right now. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So I do have to tell a quick story. So uh, you had to go to like a barber school first to, before you can say you're a barber. Yep. It's uh, basically uh, 1500 hours. If you show up every day, go eight hours a day. It takes about 10 months to complete. Okay. So I had a friend who I don't remember if I've told this story or not. I had a buddy who his sister went to um, so like, it's, I think it's called Le James and it's a hairstylist school. And, you know, they, they trained them there to cut hair and, you know, do all that stuff. Well, I, and I don't know, do you have to cut an, like you have to cut X amount of heads before you can get certified? Yeah, I'd have nine nine hundred and eighty hours of haircutting time. Okay, all right. So, she she had to do something similar. So me, my buddy, and my buddy's dad all donated our head to go and let her cut it. <laughs> we walked out of there with the worst fucking haircuts <laughs> anybody has ever had, and as 
As she, you know, like after the cut, they take the mirror to the back of the head, say, hey, what do you think? Her dad goes something like, yeah, maybe this isn't for you. <laughs> wow. In front of all these people. I mean, dude, these were horrible haircuts. I mean, horrible. Uh, and thank God hair grows back. But let's just say that she tried it for a little bit longer and now she's doing something different. She's not in the, in that field anymore. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought that was funny. I, uh, I can't, you know, I won't lie. I've put out my fair share of bad ones, mm-hmm. especially, you know, when I, you know, when I was in school and, and starting out. So, yeah, I mean, uh, thanks. Kudos to the people that let me, you know, chop up their head for practice. Yeah. Right. Now I have a question for you when it comes to hair, and cutting hair is it more art or is it more technical man it's a tough question i feel like you gotta have an act for it um probably a little bit of both um turns out i feel like i'm really good at it yeah um i kind of got that eye for it i'm so ocd and I mean, the the shop that I work at, it's more of a premier shop. You, it's a it's an appointment shop. You set an appointment with me. Typically, you pay a little bit more for the haircut, but you leave with a better haircut and a better experience. So yeah, and because you're a barber, are you doing like straight razor shaves and and things like that too? All that, all all that hot towel shaves, yeah, whatever you need, head shaves, massages, you, you name it, I'll do it. Man, I might have to come to Kentucky, and because uh, that's where you're at, right? Kentucky. Yep, yep. Yep. I might have to drive to Kentucky to get worked over. I mean, it's not bad being laid back with a hot towel and a steamer blowing on you for 15 minutes and getting your face shaved. I mean, no. it's uh, it's a it's an experience. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, not like what I typically do and go to sports clips and have some lady who has made a shit ton of wrong life decisions cutting my hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, they're, uh, they can't even touch a straight razor at sports clips. So yeah. They're not allowed to use one. Yeah. I, well, I, w- I wouldn't allow it. Uh, there's no way I, I would allow it. I'd be like, anyway, before I go off on a tangent, let's, let's just hard pivot into today's, into today's topic. And that is scouting. All right. I, I know that, you know, from, from previous conversations and following you on social, you're out and about this time of year, you're putting miles on, you're looking for the next deer, you're looking for the next honey hole and things like that. And so just kind of a real right off the bat question why are you putting so much time into this postseason pre-green up time frame looking for whatever it is you're looking for? I'm gonna say number one, I just can't sit still. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> and and you know, I, I always say that, you know, the more you put in, you know, the, the more you're gonna get out of it. And you can learn you know, you can learn so much this time of year. You can dive into places where you kind of poked around at. And then what I like to do this time of year is, you know, everybody's so – we're all on this e-scouting. Um, everybody's dropping pins and they're checking locations. Well, you know, this is the time to where 
I can really put the boots on the ground and I can hit these places that look a little less appealing to me on a map or on my phone. Um, and man, I will say it is, it can be eye opening, man, when you get out there and really walk around and, you know, you might be in an area that looks horrible on a map, but when you get there, you're like, Oh man, I, I should have been here in October. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so it's just, I mean, it's just data gathering, right? I mean, or does it go beyond that? I mean, it's just every little piece of the puzzle you can get. You know, the deer, the whitetail has such an advantage above you. I just feel like any anything I can do to, you know, put the cards in my favor, I'm going to do it. And, you know, it's either sit at home and look at my phone or go out there and scout and try to figure things out. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so when it comes to that, right, do you feel that, the that more is better when it comes to to scouting or is there a limit where it starts to be detrimental i think in season it can be you can mess some things up for sure um you know it's it's a little harder to mess things up in november but september early october and late december yeah i think that you can you can definitely mess it up because it you know what what people don't realize is or what pe- a lot of people don't talk about is you know their ground scent and how you know moisture affects it and how long i don't know how long it can stay on the ground but i know it can stay on there a hot minute yeah yeah and so, so okay and so that's why you know you prefer to get out there this time of year I prefer to get out there anytime I can, but this is just such a good time because there's there's literally no bars. There's nothing holding you back. You're not worried about bumping deer or running into any other hunters. You it's you can literally it's literally a free for all, and you know there's just typically not you know that many people out this time of year. I mean there are, but you know I, I hunt 100% public land for deer, so. Yeah, I have to keep that in my mind, too. You know, I may pull up to my, my favorite place, and there may be two trucks in the parking lot, and, you know, I have enough respect to where I'm just not going to just bounce off because, you know, who knows where they are, and I don't want to ruin somebody's hunt. Right, right. Well, that's a good thing, man. And and I think a lot of people, man, that's a, that's a tough one for me because I feel – I don't know. I feel like the best time to scout if if you had the opportunity to would be let's let's say you tag out October 15th. Man, I would think that the best time to scout would be in that that time frame where the sign is really starting to pop up. And and usually deer and and this is just my opinion. I'd love to hear what you think about it. But deer tend to leave sign in the same areas for multiple years in a row, right? Unless there's some big kind of habitat change uh, or a huge food source change. Um, and I know like in Iowa, that usually doesn't happen. So for me, I, I identify a lot of sign in the same areas every single year. And the best time to go out and identify that is as it's actually happening. So if you tagged out early, I would assume it would be the best to go out and and start scouting for next year immediately what are your thoughts on that 
It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, I mean, you know, dive right into it. Um, I'm right there with you. Um, But it just goes back to what I said. You just got to be mindful of, you know, other hunters and what's going on. Um, The only thing to touch on what you said, a lot of times I do find the sign in a lot of the same places year to year. But um, 2019 was a wake-up call when we got EHD, and that completely changed everything as far as where the sign was. Just I don't know why if it was – the EHD and the deer dying with added hunting pressure, but I, I felt like everything changed that year. But, I mean, there's the more in-season scouting you can do, you have no clue how many people tell me. It happens multiple times to me every yeah. season. Dude, why aren't you just hunting? Because, you know, I put a video up, I'm checking cameras or doing a little scouting. or And, I mean, it I bet I have six people message me this year, and I was like, man, you just need to be in the tree. Yeah. But, I mean, if you – I would rather know exactly where to be than poke around and not, you know, feel good about it. Yeah. And that that goes back to what you you said as far as, you know, get out there, find the fresh line, and get on it. Yeah. And that's such a – I don't know. I feel like when you gather that information previous, it just cuts down. Like you don't have to hunt as much during the season if you don't want to, because you have all this, I don't know. And and I'm sure you do as well. You know, you have some kind of hunt stand or you have some kind of um, hunting app on your phone that allows you to document every single thing that you do. And so, or, or see, or rubs, or scrapes, or deer movement, or, or trail cameras, or tree stands. You know, you, you have all that documented. And then for me, when, what happens is I, I do all that preseason work, or I collect that data over previous seasons, and I, I, I don't need to hunt as much as I would if I didn't have that information. No, I mean, it just goes to just having a more quality you know, so yeah. and I think the, yeah. Good the, point. the more, the more that you, the more that you scout, you know, the, the better odds you are going to have to come shooting the deer, you know, like a lot of times, I don't care what time of the year it is. I do it all the time, September, October, November, and December. If I got two days to hunt, I scout probably one of those days. Now it, it may be a morning and an afternoon or a morning but it's not four solid sets or an all-day set i'm typically bouncing around looking for hot sign you know checking some of my trail cameras to see if any of the deer have shifted or what ridges or drainages they're running and you you don't need you don't know that unless you actually do it right right yeah all right so you are you are out and about you hop onto a uh, first. I want to I want to break this down into 
properties you've already scouted and hunted and properties that you have you've never been on and so when we talk about prop scouting on properties that you've hunted multiple times maybe that's one year to you know 14 years when you're going out what are you looking for on properties that you've already hunted man it's our, our whether i've hunted it or i haven't hunted it i always start at the food source yeah. or where I, what i think to be the food source would be and because number one i you know that's pretty much one of the deer's probably top two things in its life is you know they're a slave to their stomach right um and the deer are always going to leave sign around food and that's where i start and i actually work backwards from food to bedding okay all right and and why is that it's easier yeah i feel yeah. like you're cutting a lot of the guessing out of the game because they you know they have to eat yeah. and if you got a secluded field over here that's beans or corn or clover or let's just say you know where uh one ridge is it's got five or six white oaks on it and there those are the only five or six white oaks on like 60 acres it's the same thing i'm going to go there every time first okay all right and so you kind of work your way from food to to bedding what are you looking for in that line specifically well when you get to the food i mean you can obviously tell how hard it's being hit hit um you know those those fields man private or public man they draw two things they draw the deer and they draw the hunters yeah um so a lot of times that's where you can do inventory on both you can you can you know actually see how the deer are browsing the whatever food source you're on you can look at the trees that people climb or cut branches on or hang trail cameras on and then how I go about diving back from there is I typically have, you know, places marked on my phone, whether it be uh, drainages or points or what, where I think the deer might bed or some sapling thickets. And I literally just walk around the field and try to find, you know, where the deer are, are coming and going from and just start uh, executing back through there. Yeah. All right. Now, even getting more detailed what items are okay so we've talked about this line right we've talked about the 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 food to bed line that you're taking we've talked a little bit about the terrain that you're you're looking for now within that terrain is there even something that you can break it down to a the the next level to be as detailed as possible in that line Absolutely. You know, rub lines, you can't overlook them because I really don't, I personally don't think a deer is real territorial over an area. I think that it may be territorial over a doe. Right. Um, and those rub lines, we all know that they lay them down on their, on their travel route. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, that's, that's where I that's where I'll go. I'll start looking for the rubs and then I'll be looking for there's typically a community scrape somewhere and you know I'll typically drop a camera on it. And a lot of times, you know, it's it's not rocket science and I can't say that I always 
know exactly where the deer's bedding. Like I could sit in this tree and shoot him in its bed, but I typically have a pretty good idea of where they're bedding, whether okay. it's on a hillside or a sapling thicket. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and so you're looking for rub lines. Does that correlate? I mean, do rub lines? Taking it even a, a layer deeper, do rub lines or old scrapes tend to happen from your experience at certain areas within uh, those that that characteristic terrain feature? Like, are if you're looking at a food source, are they at the, are they usually on the same place at the food source or, or a staging area? Are they usually at the same place on a staging area or in a a pinch or? a uh, maybe some kind of ridge are they always on the what i'm looking for is themes or trends well you're always going to be able to find them on field edges but i find a lot of mine um on like edges and what i mean by edges is you know where the hardwoods meet some thicker timber either where they've done some actually you know done a clear cut or done some select cutting any kind of transition and that transition may even be a ridge or anything um, typically any type of transition is where I find a lot of my deer sign especially buck sign okay and and then that hypes you up so you've, you you've oh, identified absolutely. yeah and, and so you've identified these things and then how do you go about, and I think this is where people tend to get a little confused. And I know this is, for me, this is where I I had to learn a lot uh, when I started scouting heavily and when I started, you know, trying to identify sign and identify terrain features and things like that. How does that then translate into a, a tree stand location? Right. So a lot of times, like you, you will get on a good sign or you'll get on a good or a good trail and we've all done it. And then it kind of just dwindles out. Right. Right. Like, man, these rub lines where I went 200 yards and these rub lines, it couldn't have been no better. And man, now it's kind of just filtered off. Like that's where you really need to start trying to put the puzzles together, the pieces of the puzzles together, because more more than likely the things i see like that's typically you know where the deer's bedded at and you know the deer may not you know they say that you know check these points and this and that like i'm not a great bed hunter but a deer will lay like a lot i feel like he will lay a lot of sign down if he's on a couple acres uh, you know like he likes to bed in this one sapling thicket or this one ridge line you can actually look for a bunch of clusters of rubs you can look for browse pressure and then you can look for you know the actual bed yeah um, and, and i don't so, know if that really answers your question yeah and so like because this is where i i feel it gets tricky it's that it's where the head is right? Your head is looking down for sign. You're looking down at terrain. You're looking down at, um, you know, you're looking down at trails and things like that, crossings, whatever. 
And then you have to focus if you're if you're gonna hunt in a tree, you have to move your head up, and you have to find that uh, that that perfect tree that gives you a shot to where you feel that these deer are gonna be moving through. Is there is there like an equation for that, or do you feel like that's something that is how do I put this? That is it's it's actually not as complicated as people make it out to be it's one of them things where it's it's i think it comes with time um and it's something that it's very hard to explain over a podcast like you get to a point and it took me a long time like majority of my hunting career it took me to get to a, a, a point to where everything actually kind of clicked you know just like the buck i shot this year I knew exactly where they were feeding. Um, I caught their trail, a couple main trails in the snow. I looked on my phone. I seen a couple points uh, on my phone. I seen a couple thickets on my phone. So, you know, I'm instantly thinking, like, I'm going to follow this trail in. I'm going to find old sign from Bucks in October and November. Uh, I should find some fresh sign, and the deer should be bedded here. And man, it it was. I walked in there. I found all the good rub lines. Um, I got to the point to where I could. I was right on the edge of hardwood timber and a big sapling thicket, and I knew that about two or three hundred yards of me was some potential good bedding on ridges. And then, so I just I picked a tree that. This is where I feel like a lot of hunters mess up like i feel like they try to get the deer or the wind right for them versus the wind right for the deer so you got to think about what the deer is going to do with his wind and i feel like a lot of times that my places i set up like it's it's real my wind is real iffy like i only have a small window um and that's because the deer most of the bucks use the wind to their advantage and i feel like more times when i was trying to get my wind perfect for me personally i'd be 80 yards outside the game yeah this episode is supported by fx's clipped the scandalous story of the 2014 clippers owners racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world the series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Oh, man. And, and so, again, now, we, now, we, now we're throwing all this strategy talk into it, right? And, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so, it's just like, it could, it could potentially get overwhelming because, you know, you see the sign, the sign's there for a reason, but just as, just as important as the terrain and in that bed to food pattern, right? You know, you, you said that food is, is, uh, they have to eat, right? And so they're going from this bed to food pattern, the signs there for a reason scouting, you think you found the good spot you set up there. And the wind is doing something crazy, and that's why they're there. And you're and you start to get busted. Is there any, is there anything that you've picked up over the years that would tell you, hey man, 
actually this looks like a good spot. There's a lot of sign here, but maybe it's not because the wind or the thermals might throw you off during the in the fall when it's time to hunt. Man, a lot of times those real good places and and you can mess them up um, is where your wind does swirl real bad, um, and that's typically in some kind of you know bottom or uh, a hub or some kind of ridge system where you got a couple hard ridges coming together where it's going to keep the wind bouncing around. And when you run into those type of places, the, the late season, early season, the rut, my opinion, and my opinion only, the best time to hunt those is the a.m. on sunny, high-pressure days. That way you're, you get a little bit of advantage from the thermals pulling your wind up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've messed up a lot, man. Like I, but I'm a very aggressive hunter. Um, you know, and I do, I know I push deer around without a doubt. And I, and I typically am able to get, you know, back up on them. It's just to the point to where are they going to move in the daylight? Uh, yeah. Um, and again, so kind of going back to that, then do you feel it is important to spread your wings and scout multiple times of the year and and not just in this no vegetation postseason, you know, pre green up time frame like February and March? Oh, absolutely. I mean I just I've always told everybody like I uh the reason why I only deer and turkey hunt and I don't get into anything else is because I'm a deer hunter, and the whole time I'm turkey hunting, I'm really deer scouting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to put things in perspective, like a thousand mile season is common for me. And that's hunting, scouting, but I typically keep up with it, and I, I, I typically do around a thousand miles a year. Okay. And, and that's just boots on the ground uh, for turkey hunting, deer hunting, scouting, uh, and hunting. Yes, but you best believe anytime I'm out there, my mind's on deer. I mean, yeah. uh, I've found big sheds before and been on turkeys and just quit turkey hunting and started looking for other sheds. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, we've all done that, or at least I have anyway. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the more scouting you, you, you do, I really think the more successful you'll be. But when it gets to be, you know, the end-season scouting, I just think you're going to have to be approach it a little different. Yeah. And be mindful of where the deer are at and what you're doing. Yeah. All right. So, and I, I think a lot of the a lot of the answers are going to be the same here as far as the, um, you know, I think a lot of the the question or the the answers are going to be the same, but how do you then like go into a a property that you've never hunted before? Is there a different strategy or a different uh, approach when it's uh, when it's virgin ground? Oh yeah, there is. Um, you know, and we're I guess we're primarily speaking about public because that's how I hunt. Yeah. Um, Number one, I'm going to do my research on the property, um, whether that's with hashtags or TikTok or Google searches, because, man, I the way that these hunters talk about places these days just blows my mind. And <laughs> you, you're, the, you're talking about sharing 
really detailed information about where good deer live. Well, it blows my mind, man. I can, it blows my mind. And the information that you can find, and, and you know, it, right or wrong, the information you can find on a place uh, via social media it is it's mind-blowing yeah. to me. I mean, you can find out everything. Yeah. Um, so typically what I like to do is I, find, I try to find a place that doesn't give as much hype or yeah. that may offer uh, a, a certain part of the season that doesn't allow any hunting or quota hunting. Um, the, because the less hunting pressure you have, private or public, the the better the deer hunting is going to be because they're going to move more in the daylight. That's just common sense to me. So that's where I start at, man. Is is some some inventory, doing some homework, uh, doing some networking, and then you know once I find a find a pit place, I typically have set points on my phone to where I want to go. And that's where I'll that's where I'll start at, and it's every time ten out of ten, it's going to be I'm walking back to this food source, or I'm going to check this ridge for some white oaks or red oaks or pin oaks, um, and a lot of things that people don't talk about, man, because it's it it is harder to find is like the browse pressure. Okay. Um, and a lot of and a lot of, you know a lot of things eat you know you know the browse real low to the ground it's hard to tell but if you find a place that because deer man i don't care what people say they'll freaking eat anything (laughs) they'll eat anything if you can find a place if you really take the time and look and i do like if you can find the stuff that's like waist high that they've ate up in early season um you can almost guarantee that that's probably a deer that's doing that yeah yeah and so, let's see here. Uh, in that line, you know, we've, we talked about that line uh, that, you know, you, you kind of, you work from food source to bedding area. Are you... Right, the kill. Are, yeah, are you less aggressive or more aggressive on, a, on your scouting tactics, I guess you would say, on a property that you've never hunted before? I'm more aggressive. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Because I just, I feel like I don't like to guess. I, I would rather know yeah. for sure. And a lot of times what I see is you can run a, a good buck or a group of deer or a herd of deer out of, out of an area. And as long as you or somebody else doesn't keep hounding that over and over, like they will come back and they will come, come back relatively quick because they're there for a reason. Right. Have you ever, have you ever, I don't know why this came up because, you know, we're talking about pressure here, man. I've, I've been on both sides of the fence and and honestly, I've been on both sides of the fence on app. You throw, you throw a, a scenario out there of a big buck doing one thing. And I could share not only an uh, example of that thing, but I can share an example of them doing the complete opposite thing as well. So, you know, a lot of us guys who are serious about this, we start talking about trends and we start talking about um, uh, things that big deer do on a, on a regular basis. I, I want to hear your opinion on this, but my opinion is now like just changes every year because they, there is no trend and there is no 
thing, one thing that deer do the same all the time? No, I, I think it's just like um, you and I. I think it's all situational and indi- it's individualized. You know, like I've seen big deer, when I say big deer, a, a four-year-old booner that doesn't want to leave 200 acres, and I've seen a four-year-old 180-inch deer that wants to run 2,000 acres. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so then when we uh, – and this kind of leads up to my question – if when you bump a deer, are you 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 tend to th- see them return after a certain period of time? Yeah, and I think that depends on. I think that if they see if they smell you, it's a little different. But yeah, I shot a deer. Uh, oh man, I think it was about 2013 or 14. He actually come into the base of the tree downwind, just come directly straight at me. There was no shot, busted me every which way you think a deer could. He smelled me. He smelled where I walked. He looked up. We looked each other in the eyes. And then exactly one week later, I, I thought the deer was in a different county. I shot him out of the same tree. Man. And then do you have examples of a deer? Like, cause I have, I've had examples where I got trail camera pics of a deer for, you know, 10 days in a row coming uh, out of this little thicket. Most of it was nocturnal information on trail camera, but he'd, he'd come out of the, the bedding area and he would walk across this little, I guess you would call it a two track that connects these two fields. And I bumped him walking into a bedding area to set up one day. I saw he jumped up out of the out of his bed and took off. And I never saw him until the to the spring of the next year. Have you had have you had encounters where like the the your target buck just goes MIA for the rest of the season? Mm, not really, but you got to keep in mind that I'm hunting over 5,000 acres and I typically have 95% of it covered. Now I have done that and seen them move a mile. Yeah. You know, um, and it may, and what I have seen a lot, and I mean a lot is there may be a bachelor groups of bucks living in a very small area. They shed their velvet two of the five bucks stay in that area and then the hunters pound it and they're gone. And I, and I pick them up, I pick them up a mile or two away. Okay. So you're just, I mean, you're taking this to the next level. I mean, you're scrubbing every, now are you scrubbing everything, even if it typically doesn't produce good sign or, uh, maybe in the past, you know, maybe it's been two years since you've scouted it. Are you going into all these places every single year or are you just targeting these high value places i i hit it all i grid i grid search i i grid my cameras out now a lot of these places that typically don't do very good that's the places where i may only go a couple times a year my cameras may only get checked once or twice a year or may not get checked at all because you know i'm obviously i'm going to I'm going to be on my on my high value places on my high, on my priority places, but 
I think there's things to be learned about areas that you didn't think were good in a, in a situation like I got. Um, the deer could show up there for various reasons like hunting pressure. Okay. Okay. All right. So is there any other magic bean that you're looking for, uh, and let, let me back up before I ask that question. Do you feel that these principles that you live by, if I if I brought you to Iowa and I asked you to scout, or if I brought you know I put you in the big woods in Pennsylvania or, or northern Michigan, you could t- you could bring these same principles to any location uh, in the in the United States and get on deer. Get on deer, yes. Kill deer, no. You throw me in Pennsylvania in the mountains, I think I could get on some good deer. Now, even seeing one may be a different question. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, now, you throw me in southeast Iowa on a piece of public, I'm probably going to have a slaughter fest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so the whole point here is what I'm getting at is that, uh, I mean, even though you feel that you could find the sign in the big in the big woods, it seems to me like the, the trend here is that scouting just works, period, right? I mean, obviously, if you go into a new environment, you have to learn that environment. But the more scouting you do will help you learn that environment better at, as opposed to not scouting it. Correct. I mean, there's no substitution for yeah. getting your boots on the ground and scouting like there's there's nothing. Um, a magic bag of pixie dust isn't going to do you any better than that. Yeah, I feel you. Okay, so let's see here. Um, what is, is there any other, I don't know, I, 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 you said there's no pixie dust, right? But is there any other type of, thing that we didn't discuss today uh and, and i know i could sit here and drag this out for another you know 15 20 minutes talking about all of this crate you know all of this craziness that goes into a, a deer hunter season but my i guess is there any other tips tricks tactics you know shortcuts that a guy can uh, implement when it comes to scouting that will I guess, lead to him having the best season of his life? Yeah, so don't be closed-minded. Think outside the box and do not give every bit of information out that you have because if I was to sit here and give every little tip and trick I have, right or wrong, um, like, you know, then I, I don't have an edge over anybody and if i'm just a shoot if i'm shooting you straight that's not necessarily a competition but like i want to keep some things to myself and if i was to tell a new hunter that or somebody that's been doing it as long as i have that's what i would tell them yeah and i'll be honest man sharing information could be the worst thing that you could do, especially on a home farm, like close to your home where you're hunting a lot farm. Um, man, there are pictures, you know, I post a lot of deer pictures, but there are pictures every single year that I just don't post 
because it, it gets people worked up. And it, like, I can remember one farm that I have when I was chasing this buck called shipwreck. I, I was pretty vocal about what I was seeing on this farm, who, you know, where I was seeing it. Next thing you know, I got more tree stands on the property. I got other people with access to it. And so, <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I am, I don't hunt with a, like a group of people. And so I don't necessarily share a lot of information with anybody, uh, period. And so I, I feel like if you want to, if you want to keep a good spot, good, and you found a honey hole, why would you? I mean, I wouldn't, and I would keep some of my tips and tricks. Like there's some things that like all due respect, like I'm just not going to talk about on here that like I've recently had really good success about because I mean, you put one of the, the best podcasts out there and thousands of people are going to listen to it. And then thousands of people are going to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, There's just things that I feel like I need to, you know, keep to myself. And that's what I would urge, you know, people to do. And the, and once again, like just get out there, man, because that's, you're going to learn more about getting out there, walking around and, and making mistakes, trying than you are going to listening to a podcast or going to a road show except this uh, podcast right except this podcast oh yeah dan johnson <laughs> has the best podcast ever <laughs> ever make sure you go leave a leave a review on itunes for that oh, 10 star <laughs> 10 star yeah uh, <laughs> hey man and I'll, I'll tell you this you're right i mean you're you're obviously right and i think this is i mean I think this is just a great place to end it, you know, and everything that we've talked about today holds value and holds, you know, is, is weighted. The more work you put in, the more success you're going to be uh, put out. So, Hey man, good luck this upcoming season. Thanks for taking time to uh, hop on the podcast and uh, good luck with your uh, good luck with your new career cutting hair, man. All right, man, I'll see you in Kentucky season for this haircut. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. He's still snow plowing my driveway. A huge shout out to Chad, my neighbor, for uh, plowing my driveway every single uh, season. Uh, really appreciate that. Huge shout out to Josh for coming on and, and sharing his knowledge about scouting. Huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, and Vortex. Uh, if you're looking to give back in 2023, go check out 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. Please go do that. And then um, what else are we looking at here? That's it, man. You know, I, I talk a lot about good vibes and uh, I think the world needs it right now. Let's uh, let's throw those good vibes out. Let's treat everybody equally. Let's treat them with respect. Good vibes in, good vibes out. Wear your safety harness, and we'll talk to you next week.